Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. Tonight, we're going to be doing a mini-bop on Halloween Kills. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me is my co-host, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Big John? Little John? Big John? I've got this knife. I've got this knife. Hugh John Carpenter, like, just slamming guitars. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, can they get a spin-off? Everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, I thought everyone loved these characters. I have seen some pushback recently uh, saying they're, you know, pretty over-the-top representations of the gay community. That said, they are the most fun characters in the film, and I think everyone who leaves Halloween Kills probably remembers them better than anyone else. They're really pleasant. I was very sad to see them die. I wanted those guys to go. They were they were awesome. I, <laughs> I love right? the scene of them scaring children. <laughs> oh, that was great. What a great scene. Like, normally you go to Halloween films because you want to see Michael Myers murdering people and using their corpses as, like, scary puppets. This was just a wonderful scene of, of uh, two gay guys who have had enough of these goddamn kids, and they're going to scare the shit out of these assholes. And one's dressed like a pirate. <laughs> also, I didn't catch this, so I feel very naive. Someone mentioned the fact their names are uh, essentially a sex joke. Big John, Lil John, Big Dick, Lil Dick. And I thought oh. it was just ironic because Big John is the shorter one, and Little John is the taller one. I see, thought it was I hear, like an ironic I, joke about, ah, <laughs> the tall guy is the Little John. See, I, when I hear Little John, my mind goes to Little John from not Robin Hood, but Robin Hood Men in Tights specifically. That is the best version of Robin Hood. Oh, by and large. Uh, I also feel the same way, though, about Dracula and loving it. When I think Dracula, I immediately think of like Leslie Nielsen instead of even Bela Lugosi. I get a lot not of saying, scenes between the two confused. Yeah, I'm not saying Dracula Dead and Loving It is the best Dracula movie. It's just my personal favorite. That's the Dracula that speaks to your spirit, to your it soul. It really does. It, I, I, Rose Blues? There's so many parts of that movie I just love. I can I can quote the whole thing, I think. Scandalous woman. <laughs> my God, what are you doing to the furniture? I can, I, I'm sorry, we got to get off of Dracula Dead and Loving It. I'll just be saying lines all night. Back to Halloween Kills. This one has been divisive amongst fans i think that cracks me up because everyone apparently gets a tizzy uh when a halloween film comes out they're always excited then they watch it and then most of the people just end up being very upset i remember halloween 2 causing a shitstorm. i remember how angry people were when um rob zombies halloween 1 came out they take it very personal when you do something to the halloween franchise if you if you make any sort of perceived change or retcon or update to michael myers it seems like people get very defensive the halloween franchise seems to be such a like a damned if you do damned if you don't where everyone's always going to be unhappy it's like star wars everyone's always going to be unhappy and if you don't do anything everyone's mad that you're just it's oh it's paint by the numbers michael myers is just killing people if you try doing something why are you doing something Sorry, hold on. We really should have mentioned this at the top. This is actually one of those cases where uh, I will put in a spoiler warning. I'm not holding myself back on spoilers. Uh, Oh, yeah. The whole movie is fair game, people. Love of God, watch Halloween Kills before listening to this. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Mike. (laughs) I thought we should sneak that in before we reveal that Halloween dies at the end of Kills. I mean, kind of. It's the end of the night, so in a way. I am very surprised that uh, apparently Halloween ends is going to be like four years after Halloween Kills stops. Like, they wanted to jump back to the current day again. 
That is very surprising. I don't know if it being such a time jump has to do with COVID. Or... They mentioned they wanted to include COVID into the third movie. But again, it's, it seems very weird to me because it looked like they were setting up like all three movies were going to happen on one really bad Halloween night. Especially when you hear, did you hear about what the like extended ending was? Uh, I didn't hear what the extended ending was. I just heard there was going to be one. Uh, apparently it's um, Lori calls her daughter. Michael picks up. She just hears the breathing, says she's going to come kill him, picks up the picks up the knife and marches down the hospital hallway before the movie ends, which makes Ooh. it which makes it which is a you know a nice ending, but it makes it seem like it's happening the same night. So it doesn't really make much sense with the time jump. That would have really thrown it off. I'm also confused how people have been saying that ending would have been better when really it's the same ending. It just goes on for like 30 more seconds. I think people might like it because it gives Laurie like one cool action bit. Yeah. Unfortunately, with this movie, the, the setup is, you know, Laurie is still recovering from near fatal blows. So she doesn't have a scene with Michael Myers. There's I think people, lot... people were thrown off by that, I think, because you have <laughs> Laurie strode very back and it's such a big thing. And all of a sudden she doesn't interact with her main nemesis. In fact, the movie kind of goes out of its way to say, like, Laurie, he's not coming after you. He doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were in his way. And I think people are still very programmed to think it's Laurie Strode. It's Michael Myers. They're on a collision course. They'll always end up fighting. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of people, not that aren't understanding the movie, like that's that's a derogatory way of putting it, but they're they're wrestling with what the movie's kind of trying to say, both about the trajectory of the franchise now, what the franchise was originally supposed to be about with just the the first film before it was actually supposed to be a franchise, and how it's playing with sort of the allegories of expectation it's 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 playing with and, and Lori's kind of part of that and it's a nice um also different version of Lori in the hospital from the original halloween too where she also doesn't really do anything right well and, and then with this version we get to see a version of Lori even different from 2018 because this is one that thinks michael is dead <laughs> and you just see the characters more relaxed even though she's well doped up so that might be it but more kind of loving with her family and all that. The, the, the kind it's of a huge relief off, her, off of her. So it's, I think character-wise, she gets some fun stuff to do, even if it's not the traditional cool action beats you're kind of hoping for as a fan. Yeah. And again, it's a middle movie, which I feel like a lot of the stuff kind of dips, or you have characters not together because they're, they're off on side quests. It's very act two. Yeah. To, so to its own it, detriment, to, but you just kind of have to go with it. But it is like, it's very act two. Yeah. Yeah. So when part three comes along, I'd be interested in how people reevaluate them as a trilogy because I, I think things will tie together pretty nicely. I've actually really enjoyed how they continue things on from 2018, bringing back all the uh, different characters from the 78 original. Some people will say it's kind of pandering to throw these guys in there, but I, I like it because the whole thing they're doing with this is everyone thinks they're Michael's number one enemy. Like they all exactly. have vengeance against Michael. And it's, it's kind of fun to be like, oh, cool. Okay, there's Brackett. Yeah, he definitely has beef. There's, you know... Lonnie, they gave him beef, they gave Tommy beef, they gave all these different characters who had just a history with this character a reason to want vengeance. Everyone has shared trauma in some way. Yeah. So again, the movie gets a lot of shit for the dialogue and for characters saying kind of weird expository lines like, he's a curse upon Haddonfield, he's a disease, a virus, you know, kind of, kind of junk. Yeah. But Which, I, I mean, honestly, have you watched a Halloween movie? <laughs> Everyone's kind of talking like Loomis now, it's just spread that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of the dialogue's a little arch and a little bit on the nose, but... Yeah. I mean, I the worst know. probably for me is when uh, Little John 
sees Michael Myers standing at the window and he goes, Michael, you've come home. Oh yeah, that was like that was we that one was that one was admittedly kind of weird. Still kind of cool, but a little kind of a little weird. It was kind of cool, but it feels like it's going so far over the top that it almost becomes a, a bit of a parody of what Halloween is at that moment. A little bit, yeah. That's a little <laughs> Halloween five. Yeah, and someone's pointed out too. Uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name who played Little John, but he was in Austin Powers, and he's the guy who you know shouts stop before getting Bad killed TV, yeah. by the the steamroller. This is essentially the same death. Like a different Michael Myers just comes at him slowly <laughs> while he refuses to move. I like to think that he put up a small fight. <laughs> right? He had the better knife. A really, really small fight, though. I'm just yeah. glad Michael put them together at the end. See, I like that moment. Or, or, okay, you can you can take this a lot of ways if you're going to armchair psychoanalyze a character like Michael Myers. Most of the time, we just assume Michael is doing these things to be a huge jackass, like just kind of taunting people. <laughs> but this one, there's a picture of these guys having a romantic kind of picnic, and he arranges them in the same pose. You could you could almost go like, oh, no, he's putting them back together the way they're supposed to be. It's like in the picture. There is something jolly about it where you don't know if he's being mocking, but they also at the same time kind of took care of his house. They did a great job in that house. I would love to live in the Myers house. God, the, that place was beautifully decorated while watching it I, I pointed out to who i was watching it with i love this paint job i love the green it's it's all put together so well i love the decor the vinyl I, room i would i would get drunk in there that sounds like a hell of a wonderful dance in the halloween music it's fantastic yeah <laughs> so we were talking about the myers house though i do like and some people consider this a retcon i think that's extreme i think you can Super you have to extreme. add on to movies <laughs> you know so they don't become boring and in this one, they add in the detail that Michael Myers had a favorite spot in his house that he would stand and stare out the window. Obviously, you know, a detail we really didn't get in the original, but it feels like it could be a piece of the original. It goes off of that idea Loomis presents that yeah. Myers spent all of his time in the asylum staring at a looking wall. out, staring yeah. at past the wall. I like they took that idea and kind of turned it back in on itself instead of saying maybe Michael wasn't staring out into space. He was really probing the inside of his own mind or disassociating in a different way. It gives you a little bit more to think about in terms of Michael. It also adds a kind of a fun boogeyman factor of if you stand in this spot, you will die, you know, to the, the urban legend factor of the boogeyman. Yeah, I, I really like that, the way that kind of kept repeating itself uh, imagery wise with the characters showing up there and then dying, because there is a little bit. We talked about this in an episode that uh, is coming out at the end of the month, but the idea that <laughs> spoilers and, and it was cool to see. Like Halloween Kills tag up on that. So we were right about something. About something that uh, Halloween 2018 was kind of going for. The idea of everyone else creating an urban legend or mythologizing Michael in a way that's unintended on Michael's part. Where he does these things that then gets through like phone, games of phone tag, you know, uh, exaggerated or some in some way. Like the, the, the kill against Oscar with the floodlight and the in 2018, where you could, you know, if someone saw that, they'd be able to say that he was teleporting around or appearing only in shadows and shit. And it's nothing like that in the, the same way. Just you, you stand there and Michael Myers will kill you. Well, of course, if he's in the fucking house, he'll kill you. <laughs> I will say uh, the flashback scene where he kills Jim Cummings' character. Probably my favorite scare in the movie. The fact that Michael runs was a yeah, long like, Oh, God, he was quick. Out oh, no. of fucking closet. And they, and they, Man, they did that kind of twice in the film, and it's so shocking. He does, he does it. Uh, the like the 
They were able to do jump scares with Michael in such a sublime way. I love that fucking launching out. He's so... He's a lot more aggressive in this film. Yeah, there are moments like that where he really slams people around or is a little more brutal than we're used to seeing. Uh, especially uh, Allison's boyfriend at the end. That kill was... I mean, it's like the, the big final kill. And just the cruelty of smashing that kid all over the place while she's at the bottom of the stairs begging him to go after her instead. And then he finally looks like he's going to go, all right, sure, I'll chase you. Walks down the stairs halfway before turning around and finishing the job. Just that tease there makes it uh, extra cruel. Just for cruelty's sake. I think my favorite kill of the entire Halloween franchise now has to be when he walks into the kitchen, looks over, then just walks over to a light, pulls down the fluorescent light, breaks it, walks over, and then just stabs the woman in the neck. I was, I was trying to find a moment in the movie where people weren't being killed uh, so I could go to the bathroom. And, like, I ran out, went to the bathroom, came back, and he was currently in the process of stabbing that old woman with a broken pipe. <laughs> so he was like, God damn it, Michael, slow down! <laughs> you missed the best one, almost. I, I, I caught it as I was walking. I caught that kill. Uh, I was more impressed with the moment afterwards, though, where we get to see Michael doing some of his, like, arts and crafts. Or he picks his favorite knife. Yeah, where he just stabs the guy with like, the whole knife block before the last one's like, nope, this is the one I want. That's, that's something I really liked about um, Kill's where Michael's not really in the movie very much, surprisingly. Like, it's really about Haddonfield's reaction towards Michael, and Michael's very secondary. It's actually kind of brilliant the way it plays off of this. They all think that they all think it's going one way, and he's just going home. Like, he's I just love, on his yeah, own, like, diverging thing. Yeah. I think Hawkins kind of mentions this. Like, Hawkins is the only one who's like, he's not coming here. It doesn't matter to him. It's just a lunatic. He's going to go home like he did last time. Hawkins is the only one who gets it. Right, and he's like the one who has zero interest in this guy. He's just like, fucking lunatic. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't want to. <laughs> Someone should shoot him down. We should have done this before. I goofed. Yeah, there's no mythology here. It's just, that's it. But I, I love Hold on, if I, if I can interrupt one more time, though, about Hawkins. That was uh, the only retcon that really bothered me. Him not dying? Watch, if, you're watching, if you watch 2018 and kills back-to-back, -back, not only does he get stabbed in the throat, like keel over and stop breathing while he's bleeding out, he gets run over by Sartain when Sartain leaves in his truck. <laughs> I guess we just are going to assume that he didn't run him over. He hit a brick. He just he hit a really wet brick. <laughs> yeah. Did like, not he can survive up. being run over. Sure, it happens. My dad once uh, helped a friend get out of work by running his arm over. You know, It took him a couple tries to actually break the guy's arm. But still, you think that would cause some bigger injuries when like you already have a gaping hole in your throat. <laughs> Is that like being a jelly donut? Does all the goo just come out in one end if you got that big coal already well, punctured? Uh, Patton is that goddamn powerful. <laughs> I believe it. I liked having the character back. I thought uh, his scenes with Laurie were very interesting. I liked those. Yeah, and those I'm excited to see what they do with those characters when they bring them back for part three. Because I'm, I'm assuming they're both going to be part of this. Uh, but yeah, that just bothered me because they like clearly killed him off in the last one. They pulled an Ian Malcolm. Like, no, 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 no. We, we have stuff to do with that character still. He's fine. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, it at least worked out that we got him in flashbacks and stuff. So it, it was a retcon that was worth it. What did you think of the flashback sequence? I was surprised by how integral it was. I was curious when it started, like, okay, how is this going to go? I thought it was mostly just going to be about Lonnie. Yeah, just and that was the reason it more, more or less existed. But I, I, by the end, I think when we end up going back there. I kind of understood more what they were doing with the flashback. And it wasn't, you know, it, it was not a flashback for like fan service, which is kind of what I thought it was at first. 
not in a bad way, um, but just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we saw, you know, 78 Michael walking around and we got a little bit of hint of Loomis and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. We saw the night he was captured. I like actually seeing him get captured because to me, it makes it work better with the ending of the first film. The one thing that did bother me about uh, Halloween 2018 was just the idea that, and then after he disappears, he's just caught like down the street or something. It kind of ruins the he could be anywhere sort of ending. So the idea of this chase throughout the night and leading back to the Myers house um, and this, you know, mistake Hawkins makes and the fact they do almost execute him right there. I I, I really enjoyed all that. And I like the added psychology towards Michael, the idea that he always just goes home like he powers down. I like it just for the well, I introduced the idea of the Myers house. Which people kind of assume, like, we've seen in all the other sequels. What's special about it? But if you were to subtract those, like you're supposed to, and just pay attention to Halloween 78, Michael doesn't really do jack shit in his house. He goes back there, right? Yeah. He sees Lori in the morning, and then he just chases after her the rest of the night. So I, I like this way of folding the Myers house back into the mythology to be like, no, 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 the whole time this was very important. I, I've kind of heard uh, one of the criticisms of these kind of legacy sequels being you can never forget all the movies that came before because the people making them have all those memories so you kind of get like phantoms or ghosts or residuals like phantom pains yeah almost from other films that that show up in different ways like the the halloween three masks become just a big part of this film not just as a tip of the hat but one of those things where it's like well people are fans of halloween three they would really appreciate to see these referenced so you can't quite escape the other films even if they're not canon but I, I like how they can be approached and reappropriated back into the material in a way that works differently and sometimes better than they did in the past. And I think the Myers house is one they've really done a great job on. Oh, definitely. Also, it, the Myers house changes in like every goddamn movie. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's gigantic in resurrection. Yeah. I like the idea that they could actually settle on a house and be like, no, this is just it. It's a normal house, but it's got some spooky stuff going on and just, it feels like a seventies kind of house still, even though it's been remodeled. It does. And I love how, um, just because of like the cookie cutter nature of houses, they're able to make it kind of look like Lori's house in the original, mostly like the upstairs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you, you get, um, during that final confrontation in the Myers house, it has echoes of being in Lori's house in the third act of the first film. I guess. And then before we leave the flashback entirely, uh, I, you know, I like the look of it too. I, I love seeing like 70s action Michael and then the cops and all that kind of stuff. I would watch an entire movie that was just a reimagining of like, what if we kept all the Halloween movies in the 70s? Or if they want to do a new slasher, just the aesthetics of it. I appreciate you don't have to worry about cell phones or any of that kind of stuff. You get rid of technology. The look is going to feel different. I, I love that little bit. It was exciting to me to see a film play out that way. Yeah, Green really brought a nice authenticity to those sequences. And little things, too. It's, it's exciting as a fan, too, to see the classic Myers mask back in action. Finally done right. Yeah. it's uh, Again, people might complain, too, that it seems like it's overdone to have to have a flashback and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's pretty neat. And if you look at the, fuck, the job they did on Loomis, they released some pictures today from behind the scenes of the prosthetics they put on that Incredible. actor. It's amazing, <laughs> like how different that man looks as in in his normal life before he's just covered in latex. It, it was astounding. Obviously, like he doesn't have a lot of lines or close ups, but wow, the 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 work they did there is astounding. And I couldn't believe there was no work. CGI touch up. It's just no straight up makeup. Yeah. Turns out you wow. don't have to like CGI um, Samuel Jackson for no reason. <laughs> you can just do makeup. It's funny, funny how that works. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I was surprised how much FaceTime Loomis was able to get in those flashbacks. Even that, yeah, I think the voice is wrong, but it's, it's the not voice is a little. The voice is wrong. Some lines work better than others, but it, you know, you I'm a little surprised. I think in Halloween 2018 they had a moment where uh, you know they, they have like, the archived voice of Loomis, which was an actor. I don't know if it was the same actor. It wasn't Pleasance. Uh, to me, the one in 2018 sounded very different than the than this one. This one sounded closer, I think. Which is weird because I I don't know for some reason I really like the one in 2018 more. Part of it is because they have the tape distortion on it too. Like, the tape distortion helps a lot because it, like, it's one of my favorite kind of spooky moments. Out. Yeah, especially at the end of it, where like we can ask to die. <laughs> like how over the top it is. Like that's cool. The fact he's just sitting on a bench, just, just <laughs> screaming in a courtroom. Yeah. No, so it was, I was into that. I the I mean the the new version basically has like two lines, so it's nothing to really get distract about that's nitpicking uh what else should we touch on oh it's halloween kills we should probably talk about the kills which this movie free has uh more than any other entry in the halloween franchise uh 25 according to uh uh cbr which uh, i would have to go back and count but that sounds like it's in the neighborhood that sounds about right there was a lot pretty good number uh, we had the firefighter massacre at the start. We had Michael breaking into a couple houses to murder people. Uh, we have the mob being picked off at the end, the mob kind of being picked off in the middle. Michael yeah, gets a pretty good number of victims. He Jason's through some people. Yeah. Some people prefer a Halloween film that's a little slower, where it's more stalking and, you know, Michael has time to set up fancy kills and that kind of stuff. We've had a couple entries like that, you know, the, the H20 approach where you maybe have six victims. I'm not opposed to this because this this feels like a cementing of Michael's legend. You know, everyone yeah. talks about him as the boogeyman. In the previous film, they kind of made fun of the fact he only killed like four people 40 years ago. What's the big deal? So to have this entry where he immediately just wipes out an entire team of firefighters just shows the evolution that's going on with the character. Yeah, you, you kind of have to have the punch up. I mean, the same thing was true Halloween, the original Halloween, too. Even though he didn't still didn't kill all that many people, but there was a stronger brutality to it and and for the most part kind of an up body count yeah they could do a halloween where he does only kill a handful of people we've seen it work before but that's not what they're setting out to do with this franchise from 2018 on we should have known there were going to be a lot of bodies so i'm not opposed to what they did in this one kill count wise and to me it's not even like they're doing it just for the sake of doing it they're i i think you know green mcbride everybody is really going for something with all the choices they make with Michael. You know, he pretty much emerges from hell at the beginning of the movie to slaughter the firefighters. He's going back home, and obviously he's doing very impossible things for the most part (laughs) with some of the stuff he's, which we'll get into. But, um, you know, he's in a bit more of a hurry, obviously. Like, he is stopping to rearrange some people, but it's, uh, it's more of almost message sending, which I thought was interesting. We get a lot more of Michael's personality coming through um there is kind of like a, not an examination of michael's personality but we we get to see him play a little bit more and i like the the going back and forth between the, the brutality to kind of cement him as the boogeyman this this thing that's like a demon running through the town and what michael is which hawkins you know finally kind of says which is like the subtext of almost nearly every goddamn film which is like he's just like a 12 year old in like a whole yeah, how, how body. He, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I really like the line he said just to sum it all up, and I can't remember how it went. He basically described him as like a three-part animal, you know? Yeah. 
instincts of an animal, the brain of a six-year-old, and the body of a man. And that's a perfect uh, summation of Michael, and and why it's so brilliant. They they um, really went for this idea of going against expectations and going against like you want to make Michael like like writers in the past have wanted to try to force Michael to be something to try to make Michael more understandable. And we, and we see that with the version of Sartain, who's like, I need to unleash Michael so I can understand him. And also I need to drive him to, to Laurie Strode because obviously they want to, they need to fight because there was something going on and Michael needs to kill Laurie and blah, blah, blah. No, none of that's actually going on. <laughs> the entire town is trying to make a mythology of Michael, try to make Michael into evil. And Michael is just killing people. Like he's just, he has, there is no motivation with Michael. And that's what's, that's what goes back to being most terrifying. He is literally the boogeyman. But I think for each character, you have the idea that to the individual, you know, you're the hero of your own story. So multiple folks throughout the film say, I need to be the one to kill Michael. So in, in their own personal mythology, he and them are destined to duke it out, which you can't have it that way. Like not every character gets to be his number one adversary. And technically, really, none of them are. This is just one bad dude who's ruined an entire town. Yeah. Uh, I guess on that end, though, a, a lot of folks have complained about the actions of the characters, which almost everyone in the film makes many bad choices. They almost exclusively make bad choices in the film. I'm fine with that. I feel like there's a level of unreality in a film like this where I'm not concerned that people don't necessarily think soundly. Yeah, We already saw the scene with the mob mentality where they just run an innocent man out of a hospital to his death. I'm not expecting most of these people to be level-headed and rational. Some characters you expect a little more from, uh, like the very, very end with Karen being drawn back up to Michael's spot. Uh, that struck me as a little unusual, but I've also seen the entire movie. I know anyone stands that spot is going to die. So it's like, no, why would you make that choice? You're perfectly fine with everybody else downstairs. Don't go there. Yeah, and at least as far as she knows, Michael's dead. Yeah. Or, or stuff like Lonnie, you know, even questioning the fact that, like, Jesus, I brought my kids to Michael Myers' house. This is a bad idea. <laughs> Anyways, you kids stay out here. I'll go inside by myself. I, I did enjoy the inversion of everyone. It, it tends to be in these situations in movies, you know, really proficient with guns. They're, they're, they're really gung-ho, and it just doesn't work out for anybody in this movie. People are accidentally shooting themselves. The people um, here are awful with guns. <laughs> yeah, just like being like really incompetent. Even the cops are awful with guns. There are so many times where Michael is just walking in a straight line and somehow like people are shooting all around him. I can see why he doesn't flinch. He just knows like these guys suck. And I kind of I kind of like that. Um, some of it, you know, stretches credulity, but most of it seems to be very intentional. Like everyone and I can see how some people have a difficult time with the movie for this reason. It is a movie about how everyone else is making bad choices. It's a movie of bad choices. It's like just very much the drive and the purpose of so much of it, especially like the mob mentality stuff, which is you know fascinating. And, you know, it's like the virus of Michael Myers and what fear does. Mm -hmm. um, you all want to be the arch enemy of fear and you do horrible things uh, in the name of trying to kill fear and chant evil dies tonight. Um, there's even a little bit of toxic masculinity uh, stuff going on in there, um, which I which I liked. But We're connected back to 2018, that running idea of people being unable to let go of trauma. Yeah. Like most of them, too, are not actually actively seeking to do anything to, to change how they live, to let trauma go. <laughs> They're just stewing over it for 40 years, uh, just unresolved. 
And, and, and in this film, like those habits eventually cause most of these folks to die, particularly Tommy Doyle. He's like really the figurehead for for that. Very much Tommy. Um, and I can see being disappointed about Tommy's, you know, role, especially, you know, kind of coming to an end with him, him dying at the end. But I don't know. There's something appropriate about it. Things do not go the way you think. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's just the way of slasher movies in general, particularly Halloween films is this feels like it could have been the end of, of Michael Myers if he didn't get back up at the end. And that's like, to me, what, what I love about the ending is that he then gets back up and reverses everything. Like no matter what you do, you, that, that's not the way you can kill Michael Myers. Which seems like it could be a big problem for the third part of this movie. If we know he's unkillable, I have to find some way around that. I'm curious because they definitely, you know, they've done a very good job of having him do uh, endurable things without feeling completely impossible. Yeah, this one they fully flipped the switch, which is interesting because I never thought they were going to dip their toes into Michael Myers is purely supernatural. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know where they're going with it because they have him get back up after this, you know, he's just blown away, stabbed in the neck, all a million things. And they're having Laurie call it out as it's happening. Yeah. About him, like, gaining power through fear, which is, you know, obviously we're probably not supposed to take that completely literally, but... Right. I mean, Laurie's been wrong basically the entire movie, so I I don't know if we need to trust her on that point. But it does feel that way. Like, the fact that he appears like he respawned back inside the house, you know? Like, he he would have had to have climbed up the, the side of the building or something to sneak in there, considering everyone else is sitting in the doorway. I guess go through the back. I have no fucking clue, but... What the geography of the house is, yeah. But to get up there, I think you'd have to take the stairs. you think people would notice if you came in through the back. I mean, it's... I'm not going to analyze the scene in that way, because it's a ghost story, you know? It's, yeah. Um, he's there, he kills. That That's how it is. Just, uh, I'm not going to look into logistics and get mad. One thing I will say about the endings, though, is, unfortunately, since this is a middle part of a trilogy, I feel like you're stuck with that Empire Strikes Back model of downer ending. Because in the 2018 ending, I, I fucking lose my shit. I absolutely love when you have the Strohs all come together and defeat Michael in the burning house. That's an ending. If you wanted to end the Halloween franchise there, I'd be so excited. That's a cool way to go. Being the middle movie, you can't really do that again. So in this one, you turn it all around. So if the previous movie was taking your trauma, giving it physical form, and then having families come together to vanquish it, this is going to be a much more negative message of saying, yep, you all got together and th- it didn't work actually. Nope. That, <laughs> that bonding experience actually did not carry you through. Evil can't be defeated. You can't defeat trauma or whatever the shape is. So that it's a downer. I'm not saying it's bad. It's a downer. Oh, it's a, it's a downer. What we got before. And I, I absolutely love the 2018 ending. So for me, it's like, oh man. Yeah. I hate to um, see it. It's not a personal preference. I don't think it's wrong. It's just, I, I like the happier ending. Oh, so we'll yeah. see how it all pulls together when they do the third entry, how they, they manage to tie all this together. And yeah. I'm glad I'm not in the writer's room for that because it seems like they've set up hmm, quite a knot. I absolutely love that I have absolutely no idea where this fucking <laughs> thing's going. Like, that's really cool because even with Halloween Kills, I'm like, all right, he gets out and, you know, there's a mob, blah, blah, blah. You can, even without the trailers, you can kind of like, okay, I understand the basics of halloween so i can concoct a sequel in my head of where this could go yeah with halloween ends especially with the time jump especially with how fucked up michael is at the end with 
you know, with who died and, and who didn't. I, I got nothing. Right. Who knows? They could go in so many directions with a four year time jump. For all we know, they could end this movie and say, oh, yep, as soon as Michael killed Karen, uh, immediately went into custody. We just trapped him. He's in jail. And the movie is a reverse prison break of Laurie trying to get into the asylum to murder Michael Myers. Uh, or maybe it's a manhunt and Michael Myers is on the loose for four years. Or who knows? Maybe Karen's not even dead. They brought Hawkins back. They could bring Karen back. Yeah. There, there's so many ways they could take it. And they left a couple of survivors, too, from the previous films and Haddonfield denizens that they could really carry out this kind of mob or revenge story to a, another level. So I'm very curious. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think there's some big pitfalls with that open of a story. If Michael's, if Michael Myers is purely supernatural now in this version, I feel like you almost have to do some kind of explanation for why he's pure evil. But if you do, you're going to ruin mystique of the character the entire I, the entire purpose of this new trilogy seems to be anti explanation, right? I mean, I most most Myers stuff that. is you don't want to do the explanation because you end up with corn, uh, corn, thorn, <laughs> cult <laughs> of thorn. There we go. Uh, but in this, I feel like you almost have to go that route if you're saying he's supernatural and you have a film that's supposed to be the end of him. Otherwise, uh, we we've seen you can't stab him to death, you can't shoot him to death. What what do you do? Throw him in a jail cell forever? Do you, is it just incineration? Do you, do you hit him with a bazooka? I feel like they almost need to introduce some sort of uh, supernatural mumbo-jumbo to give <laughs> Laurie an edge on this guy to finally vanquish him. Well, like I mean, you said earlier, point. if he's evil, if he's fear, you never can. But if, if that's totally true, then there's no point in another movie where these characters confront him because there's no hope of ever winning. At the, at the same time, though, they are setting up him versus an old woman, essentially. So you can have Michael be pretty fucked up. That's true. But it's an old woman, an old officer. Uh, they didn't kill, like, the actual town sheriff, I don't think. He's still walking no. around. Last we saw him, he was just sitting at the hospital pretty bummed out about how things went. Um, Poor bastard. There, there were a couple other survivors, too, right? Uh, Lindsay was hurt yeah. by Myers, but she was at the hospital, so she wasn't part of the mob. So we, we've got a couple of legacy characters back and a couple of new franchise characters back. Uh, we've got Allison and Laurie. He's got a fair number of people can still chew through in, in the next movie. I can't wait until we see Halloween ends and it's actually the worst movie in the entire franchise. And then everyone else loves it. And we're the two guys going, no, it's bad. What? Why doesn't everyone see it's bad? That's what we're destined for, Cody. It's going to it's going to happen. That's what we're destined for. But what's what's great is Halloween ends is going to come out. And then everyone who hates Halloween kills is going to be saying how great <laughs> Halloween kills is and how terrible Halloween ends is. That's off. the way it yeah. always fucking goes. Even I don't. This is what I don't understand. Even if you don't like Halloween Kills, if you looked at it and went, "This is the worst in the franchise," I don't. You're an idiot. I don't <laughs> think we're seeing things the same way because Resurrections is awful. Like I, I have almost no good things to say about that movie, and and there's some other pretty clunky ones. Like Six is just bad, right? Like I don't Six know. If and Resurrections like are fucking unwatchable. Like they're not even entertainingly bad, you know. So so this. At least on a basic level, I can just watch this with my brain off going, cool kills, man got killed with a buzzsaw. Uh, on a deeper level, I think this one also has more to say than most other Halloweens. Like, it's at least attempting to say things. Some people will call that overstuffed. Uh, but at least it's giving you something to work with, you know? Yeah, it's mo that's better than really most slashers. Yeah. Not most, but like half at least. Or at least the Halloween movies, which tend to say nothing. Right. So I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I'm not going to tell you this is fine cinema, 
but I definitely think for what it's setting out to do, it does quite a bit. It's entertaining to me. Uh, it feels like it could have just been connective tissue between movies one and three. Some people may say it does that anyways, because you end up with Laurie not having a conflict. And if she doesn't have a conflict, then there's no character, no, no characters doing anything. I don't know. I'm, I'm much gentler on this movie than a lot of other folks. Plus, yeah. I did really enjoy, like, they kind of got artistic with that ending of just the deep shadows of Michael standing back up, killing people, and flashes of terror on different faces. Kind of an expressionistic end for Tommy Doyle. I, I like that. I, I feel like they're trying to give us something more than we really could have asked for. Yeah, more than, not that Halloween deserves, because I, I don't agree with that, but more than is expected, more than it needs, honestly. You could just give us something completely straight, and we'd be pretty happy like hey cool michael myers is doing stuff we get a you know a, a, a fun halloween movie for for october and that's it and said you know we get something that tries to do some archy stuff tries to say say something tries to make you think a little bit and has some deeper stuff going on whether or not i think you agree that it succeeds in any of that fine but honestly just stop trying to live tweet the movie and just watch the movie <laughs> I you think know. that's always a risk to you run when you put something out on streaming first day. Because if you're in a crowd, you can paper over a lot if everyone else is cheering. That that was, fortunately, my experience. One on Friday, sold out show, uh, which I haven't seen a lot of with COVID. Theater was packed. Uh, it, people were really reacting. I don't know if they're into it, but they were reacting. They were, you know, kind of cheering at different things, shouting when Michael would kill people. The girl next to me was... <laughs> Uh, very, very disappointed when Tommy died. She did not like that Tommy was killed. Uh, she was swearing at the screen at different points. And then when it ended, like one guy just got up and went, boo! And the crowd was like, just you could tell, like uncomfortable with what just happened for an ending. But they were into it. And you get a different vibe out of the entire experience. I think if you see it with other people that are also participating in the film, you know, they're taking it in. Yeah. If I'm watching it at home, it's too easy for me. It'll be like, uh What's on Twitter? I just saw an opinion on that. I can chime in there. I missed two scenes. What happened? Who gives a shit? Then there's like a one-upsmanship with negativity online that, you know, just just Bruce Nasty. I would not be surprised if um, there was a large gulf in difference between kind of like general reaction and film social discourse online. Yeah. It'll probably it's... also die down eventually, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, I like Halloween Kills this entire time. I think uh, I'm quickly going to Rotten Tomatoes. I think the fan reaction was not super, super great. I mean, obviously uh, the critics didn't like it. Uh, the critic score is pretty low. Uh, the cinema score itself is, uh, the audience score itself is actually pretty good, from what I remember. At least it was a couple of days ago. I don't know what it is now. Yeah, got to give it a weekend for everyone to get in to see it. Yeah, I remember Scott Derrickson pointing that out. And I mean, that also doesn't mean jack shit, because a lot of times audiences hate stuff I totally love. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. solid. So uh, it's it's a 39% on the tomato meter, which I'm not surprised. Uh, and a 71% for the audience score. Pretty high. Which is, I would say, actually solid. Yeah. I mean, the movie opened to $50 million while streaming and in the middle of a pandemic. So there's a lot of people very interested in what happens with Myers. The last two yeah. movies have been basically gigantic ballpark hits. So who streaming knows? Streaming for imagine... $5, mind you. That's how much a month Oh, is it? Goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I also heard, like though, it did send the Peacock app to the top of the Apple uh, App Store over the weekend. So Yeah, that probably did huge for that app, which I don't think a lot of people actually use the pay service for, outside of, like, wrestling fans. Yeah. So, I mean, altogether, I think the Halloween folks are going to be just fine. If people are pissed off about this, it's 
powerless. You know, it's not going to change their plans for this last movie they start putting together in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll take some of the, you know, some of it into account, but we're we're getting Halloween ends, so you know. Regardless, yeah, we're getting a third part to this. So if you don't like it, uh, too bad. Fuck you. Just, yeah, you're stuck with it. Sorry. <laughs> For better or worse, it's just it's going to be what it's going to be. There's going to be another one of these. Uh, either buckle up or uh, get into a different car. Ah, we're getting this in Hollow and Indiana Jones Five. Fuck you. That'll be the crossover IP we get eventually. It'll be ninety-year-old Michael Myers and ninety-five-year-old Indiana Jones. I like it as long as James G. Courtney's still doing it. Tall man, <laughs> big tall man. Same in person, tall dude. Actually, I have no idea how tall he is. Did you meet him at a con? Yeah, I saw. I saw him across the. I I saw him like across the room and. I just stopped because he was like a lighthouse in the middle of a field, <laughs> like just giant. Uh, Mike, all I can tell you is next time you have to poke out his other eye, because hopefully that'll stop him from being able to find you. He is monumental. I don't know why I love that phrase so much, but that's so all I want to say now. It's the shape is monumental. <laughs> I want that on the poster now. Like That should be what's the catchphrase for Halloween. It's not the night he came home. It's just the shape is monumental. More fan art with the shape is monumental and send it to us. Folks, I'm just going to be in my house making a techno song out of the shape is monumental. The shape is monumental. So I'm yes. going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this uh, mini bop with Mike and myself, we have full fledged episodes with our other co-host, Jamie. Uh, we have other mini bops without me. And sometimes Jamie's Jamie and Mike, you get combos, different flavors. Uh, we also have commentary tracks where we'll watch a movie and then provide uh, commentary, fun facts, trivia, jokes, yucks, as it may be. Over top of that, you can find all that and maybe a little more at boxofficepulp.com. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter at Box Office Pulp. Folks, thank you so much for joining. That's a wrap. Get the hell out of here. Big John. Little John. And then there's an alternate cut where they just leave the house. Like, they just like, fuck, nope. They leave the house, and then we follow them to Hawaii, and have a honeymoon. (laughs) Beautiful. Mike, they take a vacation to uh, Jersey, to Camp Crystal Lake. No! And like that, he's gone. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.